Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you are meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Uh, author of the best-selling books, The Hormone Fix, Keto Green 16, and my new book coming out, Menu Pause. And I want to talk about what maybe your mom didn't tell you about menopause. Our hormones change and menopause is mandatory and natural and suffering is optional. It's the other end of the spectrum from puberty. And yet it's feared and it is... Uh, entered with trepidation and confusion. I was lecturing prior to the pandemic live in Oregon at um, a functional diagnostic nutrition conference. And I was approached the next morning after my talk on hormones, menopause, and getting keto green and what that transpired, what menopause looks like naturally and what we can do about it. And two women um, approached me in the coffee line. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm totally a coffee addict. I love my coffee. I'm drinking actually Rishi tea instead of coffee to support my adrenals this morning, though. And um, I wanted to, you know, definitely address the changes that occur naturally in menopause and what maybe we didn't know about it. So these two women came up to me after my talk and said, Dr. Anna, you know, we have been coming to these conferences for years, for at least a decade. And we went, we always share a room and we went back to our room after your talk and started talking about our menopause, our sexual health how our libido has changed or adjusted and, and what that's meant to their relationships. Both of them are married and married for over 15 years to their partner and um, said, we've never talked to them about having pain or discomfort with intercourse. We've never talked about our hot flashes and our, you know, symptoms that are really uncomfortable, like bladder leaking when we cough or sneeze. And it's not something we talked with our mothers about. And so we navigate this with kind of a hush-hush towards our friends, towards our family, to our significant other, and try to navigate it with very little information. And I think there's a lot here that needs to be discussed when it comes to our hormones, hormonal changes as we age, especially when it comes to you know, questions around menopause and that it's given us a bad rap, right? It's really given us this thing to, to fear, to dread instead of to look forward to and to be empowered by. And I think that's the really what I've stepped into having gone through an early menopause at 39 with infertility and failing the highest doses of injectable fertility meds, then being diagnosed with early menopause, reversing that to naturally become pregnant at 41 and go on for many more years and then get in the throes of it again at 48 years old with that spiraling down 
hot flashes, night sweats, difficulty sleeping, mood swings, weight gain, despite not doing anything different. Let me tell you, that is very humbling. And I'd been well over 240 pounds at one point, right? I'm a board certified gynecologist and obstetrician from one of the best universities in our nation, Emory University. And my doctor's bag was empty. I was struggling. That led me on this journey to recognize that as much as I know about our reproductive hormones like progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and DHEA. The pathways that I've learned and memorized and spent key years of my life just delving into that there were greater hormonal shifts that I needed to address. And that is the hormones of insulin, cortisol, and oxytocin. Oxytocin, which is the love and bonding hormone, not to be confused with oxycodone, the painkiller, but oxytocin is that hormone we feel when we're in love, right? When we orgasm, when we have pleasure, when we're laughing with our friends, we go to a great concert, we're playing with our pets, you know, just having fun, that's oxytocin, the most powerful hormone in our body. And we talk about biohacking. And I've been in this age management area, longevity, biohacking longevity for mm, almost two decades now. And one of the key hormones to modify to improve our longevity is oxytocin. It's oxytocin, this hormone that the blue zones around the world have in common, and that is increasing oxytocin activities like having community, people who have you back, people that you love and that love you back. This caring concept is huge. This is what oxytocin is. It's a powerful hormone. And having had trauma, PTSD, having suffered with PTSD myself and infertility and early menopause, I learned very late in the game how critical it is to empower this hormone oxytocin. And when oxytocin is playing well, when it's high, when it's optimum, everything else falls into place. And I like to consider it this, like consider our reproductive hormones. We have hundreds of hormones in our body and uh, metabolites of these hormones, right? They count too. We've still yet to understand hormones because they are energetic molecules. So when we check them in the blood, the saliva, the urine, they tell us something and it's important to look at, but it's imperfect because these are energetic molecules that fluctuate with our thoughts. I mean, seriously can fluctuate to such a degree. So if you consider the hormones, if you look at our hormones in our body in this way, all our reproductive hormones and so many hormones that we have as the students in a university setting or the students in a school, each student has its own path, its own purpose, right? Just like each hormone. And, and that's critical. And at the teachers or the, the professors of the university, those are, consider those like insulin and cortisol. When you've got a great professor, a great teacher, you're like paying attention, you're listening, you're learning, you're digging deep, you know, you're enthusiastic, you're on, right? And that's critical. If they're not good teachers, there's disruption, there's chaos among the student body within the classroom, and that is so true. Now, consider the dean of the school, the principal of the school, oxytocin, this hormone of love, bonding, and connection. And when you've got a great dean and a great principal, the 
professors, the teachers are enthusiastic, right? And the students will feel that too. So, and if not, there's chaos. If oxytocin is low, you've got disruption with cortisol and you get this physiology of disconnect. I call it the physiology of divorce, the physiology of grief, the physiology of trauma. And so we can reverse that. We can reverse that. I share in my first book, The Hormone Fix, about the loss of my son, Garrett, when he was only 18 months old and three days and how um, in his life and his death, it, it, it just showed me so much. And yet I, the trauma and stress of that was just profound, as you can imagine, just profound. It contributed certainly to early uh, menopause for me to those symptoms of infertility and, you know, to the trauma that I experienced. And, you know, when that happened in 2006, March 12, 2006, you know, of course, we were all devastated. I mean, I barely remember the days, weeks, months following. I just knew I needed to keep the ground moving under my feet and I couldn't keep living each day like nothing had happened, like he'd never lived. And that was impossible for me. And that took me on a healing journey around the world because after the diagnosis of infertility and you know early menopause and my doctor's bag was empty, I needed answers and I couldn't just keep doing the same thing I was doing. So I left my practice in the hands of an amazing doctor, Dr. Deborah Shepard, and she was like an angel, came in and took over my practice. She's an obstetrician gynecologist outside Atlanta to today. And she um, enabled me to take this healing journey, the sabbatical. And so in part of this healing journey and sabbatical, I went to different places around the world. I traveled to Peru. I met in America, a Native American shaman. I met a uh, Andean philosopher in Indonesia. I met a traditional healer and something that healer said to me. So we, I took my, we had two of my daughters. One was in college and Amira and Amanda were seven and 10 years old. And we went to this Indonesian healer and he looked at me and he said, what's troubling you? And I said, well, I'm, I have early menopause. I'm infertile. Haven't had a period. Did you know, saw my own ultrasound, my ovaries are shriveled up. And this Indonesian healer wrinkled, incredibly wrinkled and suntanned and had been practicing traditional medicine in his village in Ubud in Bali for a family tradition for centuries. And so he put his hand on my head, this wise old man, and it really hurt. I mean, you can do that now wherever you are and put your hand on your head. Now, my head does not hurt at all, but it was so tender there, so tender at the top of my head. And I was like, oh, what's this about? What's going on? And he said, you worry too much. He said, your ovaries are fine. You worry too much. That was the connection between worry, stress, and infertility in my case. And in a couple short months, I was pregnant naturally. So it taught me so much as a physician, right? As a Western trained physician, as I journeyed around the world and learned from other healers, serendipitously, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but I met these amazing healers and I kept learning. And I brought those practices back as a pregnant 41-year-old into my medical practice in Southeast Georgia, where I was a solo physician, you know, like Marcus Welby, I was a fan when I was growing up, if anyone listening ever watched Marcus Welby, that I was definitely a fan growing up. And um, 
I, I looked at, you know, what I was doing and how I could get to the underlying, underlying conditions where stress played a role and where international wisdom, wisdom from traditional medicine could be combined with my Western training to really improve health and healing from, you know, a very natural way and how important that was, how powerful that was to do. And as a result of that, my practice transformed. I went from doing two to three surgeries per week and whether they were minor or major surgeries, to really empowering a woman's body to heal itself, and then needing to do two to three major surgeries per year, per year. And this means hysterectomies. This means, you know, bladder surgeries, you know, incontinent surgeries and repairs. And um, and as I got more skilled in using adaptogenic herbs and some of the techniques I brought into my practice and empowerment through diet, you know, very early version of my keto green lifestyle and diet, how that empowered other women to just take control. And patients would come back time and time again and say, Dr. Anna, I didn't realize how bad I was feeling till I started feeling good again. I didn't realize it was possible to breathe through menopause. And these are things that really transformed my life. And I love sharing this with you. When I finished my um, second book, my book, Keto Green 16, and it launched in the middle of the pandemic of May 5th of 2020. It was right in the middle of the pandemic. And I recognized that the documentary I wanted to do about menopause around the world was not going to be possible. But my new book, that's Menu Pause, includes sound bites of menopause around the world. So I incorporated that because of my journey and learning from other people, learning other um, powerful techniques and foods and medicines that women use to support their body. I incorporated that into this book. So I wanted to read one section on it that really pertains to me. I'm first-generation American, And I found that our house growing up was like the United Nations. My mom, we grew up in uh, Hapro, Pennsylvania, and then moved to Doylestown as a teenager in Pennsylvania. And anytime anyone from overseas would come in, you know, like where there's family, there's floor, there's place in our house for everyone. I swear I slept on the couch for half my, half my young life. And I, I love that. So I want to read to you menopause around the world, including rituals at mealtime, something that I witnessed in my own journeys and certainly in my own family. So this is on page 59 in Menu Pause, and this is out April 12th. Um, Rituals are symbolic behaviors that are comforting in their repetition. Many cultures in the world practice rituals that are centered on food, the fasting and feasting that mark the holy days in Catholic, Muslim, and Jewish traditions, the gracious tea ceremonies in Asia, or the harvest festivals that are celebrated everywhere from Kenya to Kentucky. According to archaeological studies, mealtime rituals have been important elements of human life for tens of thousands of years. The benefits of rituals are many, both physical and psychological. For example, rituals are associated with the secretion of oxytocin in the brain. One of our master hormones, along with insulin and cortisol, oxytocin is responsible for bonding, And it is associated with empathy, trust, and relationship building. 
It also helps ease depression, anxiety, sexual dysfunction, anxiety, and gastrointestinal issues. Rituals centered on meals have been described by researchers as an underappreciated battleground to fight obesity. This is because studies have found that families, parents, and children who frequently dine together have healthier weights. As I've explained, proper weight is extremely important to maintaining great health, especially during menopause. Other lines of evidence support the psychological benefits of food rituals, such as building social support and bolstering self-esteem. The bottom line is this, mealtime rituals are important for a healthy menopause and a healthy life, and this is true around the world. So how can you create eating rituals that will benefit your well-being? Here are four easy, no-fuss suggestions. First, set a lovely table. Second, light candles. Third, bless your meal. And four, enjoy others. One of the things that we know in science is that resveratrol, we say a glass of red wine, that's going to be really good for you. So we know that resveratrol is an antioxidant and is very helpful. In fact, it's probably adaptogenic as well. But yet, is it the resveratrol in the wine that improves your longevity? Or is it the fact that you are enjoying this glass of wine with a table full of friends and family, and you're laughing and telling story and connecting and empowering oxytocin? So when we get down to it, and we really look and see how can we empower our bodies, it comes to these foundational, simple steps that we do on a daily basis creating rituals that increase oxytocin, the most powerful hormone in our body. I talk more about it in my book, certainly, and I encourage you to join me and follow me at dranna.com on my website and at The Girlfriend Doctor on Instagram and uh, TikTok and Facebook. So I love being your girlfriend doctor, and I love sharing more with you. Our next episode is going to include information on hysterectomy what you can do with or without a uterus, but certainly if you've had a hysterectomy, we know they have an increased risk of diabetes and heart disease if your ovaries were removed as well. And so in our next episode on the Girlfriend Doctor Show, I'm going to delve into that and give you some practical solutions. And so when it comes to sharing what we know about what we know about menopause, we want to start talking to our friends, start talking to our family, start sharing information and share it with me because I love hearing your stories and I love being part of the learning process, this transition. I'm 55 years old now with four daughters and a granddaughter who I just delivered. Thank you. I was like my best delivery of my life from hundreds and hundreds of deliveries. I was able to deliver my gorgeous granddaughter from my firstborn daughter. So her firstborn um, from my firstborn and it's uh, creating a beautiful legacy. And I want to maintain this health and vitality and continue biohacking longevity to enjoy our grandchildren. I never knew my grandparents and, and my mom never got to be a grandparent more than a year of her, you know, of my daughter's life. And so it's important to me to empower women in the second spring of our life, as the Asians call it. Uh, in Japan, they say konenki. Uh, is the word that they use for postmenopause, and that translated, it means the second spring of their life. And so, from these other cultures, I've incorporated recipes, foods, healing practices that has certainly have transformed my life, and I hope also 
to inspire in you and to learn from you, your traditions. What did your mom tell you or didn't tell you that you wish you knew about menopause? Let's talk. Let's talk about it. My mom didn't tell me very much. She was undergoing heart surgery. She was diabetic and you know, she was a baker and the kitchen was the heart of the home and she just plowed through. And um, I never knew really how much she struggled or suffered. And um, I can look back on it now because I was a teenager when she was going through it. I can look back on that time now. So for my daughters, I don't want them to see me struggling, but I want to share openly, honestly, what solutions are possible to be empowered from. And so within the Girlfriend Doctor brand, you know that we talk about awakening our mind, nourishing our body, shining from the inside out and embracing those we love. And that embrace is that increased connection with oxytocin. So I encourage you to join me and stay tuned for my next episode on The Girlfriend Doctor when we'll be talking about hysterectomies. Okay, bye y'all.